Hey everybody, it's Microphones of Madness. I'm Rodney. Over there, Steve. What's up, Chums? And today we are in part two of our look at Cyberpunk Red, the role-playing game. Who is this by again, Steve? Uh, Talison Games, Mike Pondsmith et al. Et al. <laughs> Nobody told me there'd be any Latin in this episode. And we are taking a look at the second half of the book. Such that it is. Uh, in episode one, we did look at character creation, basic game mechanics, and stuff like that. So if you've missed that episode, we'll have a link in the description. You can check it out. Uh, listen to that first. Yeah, head on over to that. Yeah, head on over to that. We'll wait. Absorb all the information about tombs and creating tombs and tuning it up and ratitude tumby and all that crap. That's right. And getting your style on. Right. Uh, yeah, so so the second half of the book is a pretty comprehensive lore section uh, covering probably about, well, almost, almost uh, 30, 40, 50 years of history. Yeah, so it takes a look at, A, the, the history of, of the current world, um, the events that lead up to the time of the Red. Right. Uh, and then it, it veers off into very specific things, such as um, the, the major players in terms of corporations, that kind of thing. Right. Who, what, where, why, and how. And then it takes a, a pretty detailed look at um, the default setting, which is Night City, mm-hmm. and the history of Night City and the different sectors of Night, Night City. And then, and then it goes into just what day-to-day life is um, amongst the uh, cyberpunks. Yep. Um, just what they eat, where they live, that kind of thing. Yep, how they communicate, and then we have a section, uh, the the obligatory uh, comprehensive gear section. Yeah, the, it's not really all that comprehensive. Um, I, the one thing I do like about this, and I had mentioned it last week, is that the gear is um, generic enough that a that a light handgun is a light handgun is a light handgun. Right. You can call it whatever you want. You can call it a Glock. You can call it a Smith and Wesson, whatever you want to brand it as, but it's still a light handgun and does the same fucking thing. Right. As the rest of the light handguns. So I, I know if you're probably, if you're like, like a big fan of Delta green or something, and you just, gotta have that seal next to your balls in a virtual reality or whatever you'd probably be a little bit disappointed but i think if you're that far into uh fetishing guns you probably already have ideas of your own so it it, it really doesn't need to be in the source book yeah i mean you know pretty much pretty much i mean unless you're like going for the classic guns and it does say that a lot of that some people do use you know modern or even older firearms um pretty much your only two choices as far as branding goes is arasaka or militech (laughs) 
Well, that's actually not true at all, because it does talk about how we came to be where we are and that this isn't a um, an, an apocalypse. Uh, this is a setting that is a setting of scarcity. Mm. So nothing new is being – Arasaka is not making guns. Militech is not making guns because the supply chains are fucked. Right, but the, Militech and Arasaka had a big war, and there's a bunch of their shit laying around – but there is shit laying around from the before times. Right. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I mean, think either of those guys were arms manufacturers. I think they were Militech. Um, Militech is a security is, company. No, Militech, were, uh, Militech is a private military. They, they also man, had a manufacturing division. And I believe Arasaka does too, because they do mention an Arasaka branded firearm. Okay. In, I'll take your in, word for in it. the in the notes. So yeah, there there are Militech gear and Arasaka branded gear. Not that like a, like you said, not that it really matters. Um, the one thing I did kind of pick up from the lore is it's kind. You know, you said it's not an apocalypse, but it's like a, a time of scarcity, but also a time of uh, cyclical upheaval. Um, where we have, you know, the United States fell apart, and then we had the time of the mega corporations, and then that kind of fell apart. And now that's things are kind of like in this transitional period where times are tough for the average person, but uh, it's not too, too much better for the power players either, except they got all the resources. Yeah, and that's the, the deal is they have all the resources. Right. <clears throat> but nothing really to go with it and anything you have can be taken away that's true i mean and that's kind of where the game is uh, you're a, you're pretty much a, a poor slob um whether you're like a, a rocker boy or even an exec you're still not going to be ceo you're going to be like michael scott right you're 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 <laughs> middle you're middle management at best in the corporate world <laughs> And you're making ends meet at best if you're anybody else. Right. So uh, that that's kind of where you lay as characters in a world. It also does say um, that your, your cyberpunk may vary. You don't have to use Night City. It's a nice resource, and it goes into it in here because that's the you know, default. Um, mm-hmm. That's the default setting. But, I mean, specifically says if you don't want to use this, don't. Right, right. And you can set it out in the the the, the nomad lands, which you get kind of a Mad Max kind of setting. Um, references that a lot. Um, there's also uh, underwater corporate facilities out in the middle of the ocean. Uh, there's floating cities in the middle of the ocean. Uh, mm-hmm. The United States is trying to build itself back up, so you could have adventures in Washington D.C. or, or you know, places like that. Just there's no, um, and 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 it's like Night City is specific to this game, and it's pretty specific if you're not looking to do a bunch of world building. But the world is your oyster. You could go anywhere in the world. Um, and, and you could go into space. There's there's colonies and whatnot in space. Well, yeah, there's low 
low orbit um, facilities. Mm-hmm. Hell, you could have a cyberpunk adventure that takes you to all of them. That's true. You could really now, get into some globe trotting if you're if you're well enough funded. Right. So that's you know that's lore. You could take that or leave it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that's that's their setting. That's how they, that's how they play their game, and you know. You know, ninety nine percent of the people who play are going to set it there because the work's done for you, right? Right. Which is fine. I mean, and, and to be honest, like you know, a lot of of role playing games are like that. They have the default setting um, that they detail because you got to have something, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> like uh, you know, for Call of Cthulhu, it's nineteen twenties uh, New England, right? And there's right. like a lot of ink spilled on that, and. You know, do you have to make it the one that's in the book? No, plenty of people don't. Um, same thing with with anything else like D and D. You know, yes, the the setting is um, forgotten is, realms. Uh, forgotten realms, but you know, people make their own their own lands all the time. Right. So uh, it, it's a setting you can take it or leave it. That's right. Yeah, I mean, and even even then, uh, your night city does not have to be exactly the night city in the book. Different things could happen. Uh, right. It gives you a lot of information that you can actually take this large, sprawling metropolis and make any number of tweaks that you want to to create your own version of the default setting as well. Right. Um, they even say that in their in in the in the text as well uh, one, one thing that you you can uh, do um, aside from using night city or whatnot is use some of pick and choose what you want to use from the history because there are some really there's some good stuff that that really makes for the um, the genre I mm. guess. And like having war zones in t- inside of cities and unsafe places and, um, you know, fortified areas for the elite. Right. Right. Uh, all all, all like, of those are very interesting aspects of the default setting. Right. Well, not only are they interesting aspects of the default city setting, but they have like a, that cyberpunk noirish feel mm-hmm. to it. Um, you know, and, and, and above all, you're playing a game called cyberpunk. So you want you want to maintain that feel more so that I think than any than other games. Uh, where like in D and D, you can uh, have high fantasy, right? And you're running around with elves, putting rings in volcanoes, or you can have uh, really low fantasy where you know it's your barbarian against uh, some drooling, slathering, you know, twelve. 12 legged tentacle thing, right? Right. Or anywhere in between. Not that's not important. The important thing is it's swords and sorcery, it's fantasy, blah blah blah. Here, I mean it is what it says on the tin, it's cyberpunks. So you want to at least shoot for that that style, that feel. Mm-hmm. Right? Or else just play Gamma World. <laughs> right, right. Right. You're not you're not in a full on apocalypse. Uh you're not quite fallout yet. Right, but it's but but cyberpunk is a 
well, arguably a genre of science fiction that has a certain feel to it. Right. Yes. So you, you want to go for that feel. And I think like this more so than all, most role playing games out there, that feel is important because that's what you're playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're, you're right. You're right. I mean, it, it's cyberpunk is certainly an aesthetic. Um, you know, just like if you were playing Call of Cthulhu or, or, or a cosmic horror type of game, you know, there's a certain, there's a certain kind of atmosphere that goes with it. <coughs> Excuse me. And cyberpunk really is, and they mention this in, even in the character creation that the, 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 the aesthetic of cyberpunk really is, just as important as uh, the setting itself. So, right. you know, you could be playing in one of Gibson's Arcologies. Uh, you could probably do some tweaks and just uh, use this rule set to play Shadowrun. And, you know, if you wanted to throw some fantasy in there. Because, you know, I've looked at this and the most recent edition of Shadowrun and I do prefer this particular engine to Shadowruns. Yeah, I haven't looked at Shadowruns, so I'm assuming it's just a lot of dice and rolling. Yeah, pools and stuff like that. It's you know, is that is that thunder or, or are you rolling damage? Uh, yeah, I, that that I'm not a big fan of the dice pool. Mm. Um, I don't know. It just it doesn't really wow me. Right. Yeah. I you know I get it. It's 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 not for everybody, and some people really like dice pulls, and some people don't. I, I, you know, and I think it's a function of us playing online a lot, and only having a couple hours to do it. So it's just like the quicker the mechanic is is the better. Yeah, but a, but a quick mechanic, yeah, it, it lets you resolve things quickly and get into playing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously. You know, some GMs want you to roll more than others, which is fine. But if you, every time you have to roll, you have to like tout out like 20 fucking 10 sided dice, roll them and see which ones have a seven or more on them, see how many successes you get. That's a little tedious. Right, right. And especially if you have like systems that have exploding die. So you roll your 15, it's like, okay, I've got a bunch of sixes. I got to re roll all those. Right, you or, could be rolling or dice if you for a have while. funky dice where each digit means something different, so it's either a success or success with or a success with um, consequences, or you know, right? Like like the FF yeah, FFG the games, Genesis system, Star Wars, and and um, L five R, where it's just like, oh my god, right, right. <laughs> Right. It's it's it, it to me it's a little ridiculous that 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 mechanic is so fucking complicated when all you want to know is did I unlock the goddamn door or not. Right, right. <laughs> right. And that's one of the appeals to this is like it's it's a roll, you add your stuff, target number or opposed, done. Right. And you know, there's this philosophy in gaming of failing forward, which is 
great. So you, why do you need dice to tell you that? If you need a door open and you fail, so you need to take a little bit more time to open that door, well, then, yeah, you get jumped by, you know, a bunch of fucking gang members on your way through there because that's the failing forward. That's the consequence. You don't need a guy to tell you that that's going to happen. Right. right. Exactly. You just, need a, you just need like a GM who's like savvy enough to know that they have to get through the door anyway, but you failed. So there's a consequence. Right. Right. Or, or you can crit success and uh, the guys that you did it too quickly. <laughs> And the guy that was supposed to have left in the round is in there still. <laughs> well, I think if you crit success that, you know, you're, you're good. <laughs> right, right. But, you know, yeah, exactly. You walk up and the door is magically open and it takes less time. That's that's the yeah. way I play it. But then again, you know, it's it's also some GMs. You know they know they know when to cause trouble for the players, and in a game like Cyberpunk, which is all about the heist and the heist going wrong, you know there's it that's going to happen. Period. It, you know you don't need a die to tell you that that's going to happen. It's just part of the story, right? So you might get the highest roll, but there's still a automated cannon in the other room, right? So yeah, so I, I mean, just just as an aside, dice rules kind of annoying me. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean the that's the lore and stuff like that, and that takes up a good what two thirds of the last half of the book. Something it's like a, it's a lot of reading. It, so. it, it's a lot. It, it is. It's a lot to take in, and then a lot a lot of it. Um, you get down to some of the mechanics of how. You actually get stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So they give you a, a rundown of why the economy is so fucked up, and then how you you get stuff is like basically through these flea markets that are randomly pop up. Mm -hmm. How to generate those? Right. So, right. And there's two different types. You can have the night market, which is like you know a pop up black market sort of thing um, slash flea market, um, and you have the midnight market, which is you have to be somebody to get it's invitation only sort of thing. Right. And that's where the good shit is. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not too, uh, you know, thrilled that, that, that it's run like that. Like, you know, sometimes you just want to get equipment and not have to role play buying guns or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I prefer stuff like that to be just hand waved. So, right. so that you, you know, you, it costs you X amount of, of Euro dollars or whatever. And, uh, you know, take it off your character sheet. Right. Well, unless you're planning on having like some big firefight or so, something in there. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, I mean, I, something like the midnight market, that's invitation only. I mean, that is, that's a story element, really, that, uh, you know, well, to do this job, we need this specific piece of equipment. All right, well, we, the only person, the only way we can get that is doing this. So we got to go to work for Mr. X. So, you know, and make him happy so we can get the, the invitation to get this piece of gear for the heist. 
You know, that's right. that sort of thing. And then uh, they they go back into the equipment, and it's basically just um, reprinting what was earlier on mm-hmm. the book, right? Cybernetics uh, like, and everything. Yeah, all those all the tables and stuff. So um, that takes up a lot of space, but it's nice to have it all in one place. Right, right. But the real reason you read the back half of the book are are, are two things. Um, it does go into a, a pretty good detail, a lot more detail about uh, sh- running a game than some other systems do. Yeah, it does. <laughs> uh, it, it basically gives you instructions on how to write an adventure. Yeah, so now uh, the only other book I've read that goes into like this depth of detail on how to how to write an adventure, basically. Um, you figure anybody can look up at tables and see if you hit or miss, right? right? And then that's all style, whether you're going to describe it or you're just going to check off numbers and get to keep the action going. Right. Right. So that's, that's has something to do with like with the price of anything, but here they actually tell you, um, how story beats work. Um, where to put what, when, what the different types are and the subtypes of each type of story beat. Mm. The only thing that I've ever read that comes even close to like laying it all out. And this is how you design a good adventure is the, 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 the uh, DMG for, for D and D for five. And even that, doesn't even go into like this amount of detail right 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 and even that is an additional fifty dollars beyond what you need right. to play you know no, it, no, with, with this true. game it's it's in there's one book and everything is in it and that's that's yeah. nice but you don't like even like call of cthulhu the running of the game part doesn't tell you how to create really like how to create adventures. Right. You know, it tells you how to make snap decisions and how to pace your, you know, how to pace your, not, not even your storytelling, but pacing your, um, like who controls a die when. So like, you know, the theory there is, um, I make a role and if I fail that role, then the GM gets to discuss decide what goes on but Mm. if i make that role i get to say what goes on so it's more of a storytelling approach and how to you know how to make an interactive story work as opposed to how to set something up that people are going to enjoy playing right right because this is like how you generically write action stories pretty much yeah pretty much and and there are examples of how certain elements of uh the story beats work in various settings and that brings me back to uh the fiction and i and i mentioned that the fiction that we read earlier in the first half of the book will come back into play because it is written in such a way that takes advantage of the the actual story beat method of game mastering right and so it becomes what you think is kind of like a throwaway space filler is actually like the example of play <laughs> that most other games have. It's just done a little more creatively. Right. 
But yeah, I, that I really enjoyed. I enjoyed having that in there. Um, you know, even if you're a, a, a writer or something like that and you tell stories all the time, you know, it's still a good refresher course on pacing and, and just getting things in there that need to be in there. Right. But that's not the only thing that this uh, chapter covers. It um, covers different adventuring party types, right? Mm-hmm. So different things you can do with cyberpunk. So it's not the same stale fucking shit over and over again, which you got to admit, that's kind of how a lot of games run, especially games that are centered around capers. Right. And heists, as this game is. So you have your different um, kinds of teams that go on. You can be like bikers, you know, pack of nomads. And and the kind of jobs you get are going to be catered to, you know, what your team, what your team's function is, Mm -hmm. right? Um, I I thought the most interesting of, of that particular section was the idea of playing as a trauma team. Yeah, I could see that. You know that that I like, I like the Scooby Doo option. Personally. The, the Scooby Doo option, <laughs> or you know the that that um, a, a wandering band of uh, musicians that get into all sorts of crazy. Yeah, situations. yeah, yeah. A group of rocker boys and their manager. Yeah, yeah. That one. That one's kind of fun. And the Pussycats, right? That kind of thing. Right. The Partridge Family with with fucking guns. Right. <laughs> Yeah, that that's kind of neat. Um, you know, a hard day's night, cyberpunk style, right? That sort of thing. I that I liked. Um, I did like also, like I said, I also liked the idea of playing the the kind of medical drama, you know, ER type of thing. You know, today you're flying in to do this, and you can mix all of this stuff up too. You know, you can have guys that are in trauma team you know that you're flying this ambulance by day and you're robbing fucking militech by night (laughs) same thing with the rocker boys and stuff like that you know because the rocker the band are political agitators by character archetype so you know you're gonna get in trouble you're gonna be living that living that lifestyle so yeah so there's also a lot of crossover between these types of playstyles. And, right. and and speaking of playstyles, the other most important thing that you're going to read in this chapter is character advancement. Yeah. And unlike a lot of systems that just give you experience points or or you advance by uh checking off skills and making a random determination, uh Cyberpunk gives you options based on your playstyle. Well, I mean, to be clear, you get rewarded for uh, playing the way your playstyle dictates. Right, right, right. So, so it's not like you know you get experience points for killing. If you're the the sneak thief, then you know you get advancement points for doing that kind of stuff. Well, and it also kind of forces the GM when creating story beats and 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 the adventure for your characters to think of it in terms of letting every character do what they do best. 
Right. But that is the worst case scenario. I mean, in general, if you are successful, if your group is successful in their mission, mm-hmm. uh, they get IP as a group. Right. And the rest of this is for if your mission fails. So you mm-hmm. still get rewarded for um, fucking up, but right. that's more individualized. So you, your, your run on Militech um, goes tits up and, you know, uh, you're, somebody died or is near death and another one of you got their fucking um, eyes <laughs> um, scooped out of their head <laughs> or whatever happens that's when you start awarding individual um, right right ip according to how you played right well i kind of read it as kind of both you know it's like everybody gets some and then you get a little bit more depending on you know no it specifically says um that all players get improvement points based on how successful they were on the mission if the mission was finished the players gain improvement points based on their group success unless they did something that the GM considers that stood out. If the players didn't finish the mission, then they're awarded IP based on either their primary or secondary place. Hmm. So, I mean, it's pretty clear that, you know, you're supposed to act, you know, be a team and you get rewarded as a team. But if you fail, which happens, you're still going to get, um experience right you're not it doesn't go to waste but you're going to be judged on a different set of criteria as opposed to doing what you needed to do which is pretty cool considering that uh up until um a few years ago D was completely only based on um how much ass you kicked right right and that's where your experience came from Right. How much so, treasure you collect? How much? How many monsters did you kill? Right. But you don't get. You didn't get experience points. Well, officially, for talking your way out of a situation. Right. Which is still, you know, a successful encounter can be a successful encounter, but you didn't get experience for it. So, you know, this kind of like addresses that and says, you know, you, you can get experience for different things. Um, it's like how well you do on the mission, not like how many monsters you kill. Um, and, and to be fair, D&D is like kind of drifted towards that with their um, milestone. Mm-hmm. Milestone, milestone improvement. Yeah, where you just get to a certain point in the narrative and it's like, okay, you're you're more powerful just because you've gotten to this point in the narrative. Right. I mean, because you're assuming that you did all the encounters mm-hmm. that you were supposed to do, and and you pass them either by fighting or you know being clever or whatever. Right. So you got you. It, it takes into account all of that. Right. Uh, this is just another form of that. Mm-hmm. So and and you have experience points. It doesn't like you don't level up. You just are able to purchase improvements. Right, right. And there are charts and charts and charts showing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots it's, of charts. All the, right. Uh, you can buy skills, you can buy um, ranks and your abilities, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. 
And then uh, once that chapter is over, there are a couple of uh, brief uh, missions uh, that I didn't go through because uh, Nick might want to run that. Yeah, I didn't read them either. Uh, I do kind of like how I I, I glanced at it, like no detail to see what any of it was about. And I kind of like the idea of it being based around a, a, a newspaper, basically. Um, where the events that are happening and then the actual game itself is, you know, where you factor into these events. Right. Which is kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, different strokes, different folks, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But with the the pretty comprehensive uh, guide to creating an adventure, it should be pretty easy to make up your own yeah there's definitely um i would recommend reading some of the source material so you kind of get an idea of the style that they're going for so your your capers don't just end up being you know shadow run reskinned as cyberpunk mm-hmm. yeah because because I, I i really think that the most important thing in this game above mechanics and above, um, you know, all the, the setting stuff that's in the book is that feel that, that future noir feel that you have to get. Right. Um, to, to recreate this, this literary genre. And I think this is the book itself is a really good resource, uh, of, of, um, information and how to do that mm-hmm. but you know it does ha- come with a recommended reading list and it's nothing like completely out of the ordinary you know it's it's the sprawl trilogy into android's dream of electric sheep and the matrix right right and blade runner and and stuff you know, stuff uh, most everybody's no either read or or seen anyway well I, it's stuff that that's accessible Mm-hmm. Right, right. You don't have to track down some out of print, uh, like short story published in Amazing Tales in 1945. Right, that that you know to to get the source material for it. You know, it's it's really accessible. Right, exactly, exactly. And there, there you have it. I mean, there was not not a whole lot to cover in this one. And that is it, ladies and gentlemen, the second half of Cyberpunk Red. That um, is it. Uh, yeah, I'll recommend, don't recommend. Well, I mean, having not played it yet, it's hard to say if I recommend it or not, but it's definitely something that I look forward to playing. Uh, I, I would agree. I would agree. Um, I, I, if not for it's the good, cover it's price. Read. Yeah, if, it's a good read. Yeah, it's a good read. It's fun. Uh, the artwork is fantastic. The artwork is really good. It's really evocative of a video game. Mm-hmm. I will say that I did play Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven, and that's pr- that's a really good game. It's fun. So, yeah. um, and it ties in. It ties in with this role playing game as well. Yeah, the funny thing is, is that uh, the default setting of the time of the red is twenty forty five. And the video game is 2077, so you've got 32 years of history to make. 
before you even that's, get to that world. That's true. Yeah, it's it is a different world that that um, the video game portrays than what is here. And you can see some similarities, you know, and definitely the lore is there. Mm-hmm. Um, but considering how uh, I guess faithful to the aesthetic that the video game is. Um, you know, that definitely speaks well of the role-playing game. Yep, yep. A working working tan- tandem, I believe, to, to make this happen. Yeah, they did. It, apparently, they it was, you know, a very close uh, working relationship. So it wasn't um, like your typical IP that's rushed out. Well, it was rushed out. <laughs> to uh, the time with a film where you have like a, a set of, of game makers who had nothing to do with the filmmakers or right. the creators. Like the, um, Taliesin Games worked well with um, Project Red, and they came out with something, something you know, aesthetically good. If you have a system that can run it, <laughs> right. just leave it at that. That that's a whole separate set of issues. Yep, yep. That's that's not what this is about. This is about good old fashioned analog gaming. And uh, yeah, I would definitely say check it out. It's it's worth the read. Um, and I think uh, I, I think it's not going to require too too much arm twisting uh, to to convince people to play it. And I think that's some type of concern. You have folks out there that do collect RPGs, and you have some people who you know is my group going to play this is is one of their main concerns. And I think well, you can convince a group to play this pretty easily. The other thing is, uh, there is a starters box um, that has, I believe, all of the the rules and less of less of the lore. I don't know; I haven't looked at it, um, which is considerably cheaper. Mm-hmm. Um, and that might be something that people would would be interested in, kind of like you know the beginner's box for D D or call of cthulhu or whatever you, know, you have like a scaled down version of the game that you can play to see if it's something you want to go on with before you drop the real money to play to play out the big boy game right right exactly exactly so there you have it ladies and gentlemen cyberpunk red uh yep check it out and uh yep next time we'll have something else for you hot and fresh off the skillet the skillet. The skillet. And we'll see you next time. Yep. Yeah.